Welcome to Guiding Echoes, the show that loves to inspire and empower you to awaken your intuitive abilities and develop your psychic skills. I'm your host, Nicole Antoinette. Join me as we dive into exciting topics such as spirit communication, energy healing, intuition, consciousness, and so much more. The fun begins right now. Hey, happy Tuesday, beautiful people. So excited to have you here with me today. My name is Nicole Antoinette. I'm a psychic medium, tarot card reader, spiritual coach, coach is what I meant to say, jack of all trades. (laughs) And you are joining me live on 105.3 FM New Orleans on the UPRN network, or maybe you are joining me live on YouTube or Facebook. And I do want to remind you that if you have the ability to join me on youtube.com forward slash guiding echoes or facebook.com forward slash guiding echoes. Are you noticing the theme? You'll be able to chat with me and our special guest later on today. We love to invite you to be a part of the conversation. So again, if you're able to join us through YouTube or Facebook, I'd highly encourage you to do that. But of course, if you're joining us while you are driving in the car or you're listening on the radio as you're taking care of the kids, we're still happy to have you here. So again, 105.3 FM, New Orleans, you're listening to the Guiding Echoes radio show. Our guest today is going to be Katie Morton. She is a licensed marriage and family therapist. She has a highly popular channel on YouTube with over 1 million subscribers. Can you believe that? She has a large variety of topics available for your pleasure, for your knowledge, for your wisdom on all things mental health. So if you haven't checked that out, be sure that you do that later today, preferably when this broadcast is over. So again, you'll just want to go to YouTube, type in Katie Morton and her channel should pop right up for you. And she is going to be our guest later today. But of course, before we dive into that, we are going to do our energy forecast for the week. So if you're new to this channel, new to this show, uh, this is something that I do every Tuesday where I just tune into the energies and I ask the universe what we can expect for the week. And remember, these are forecasts. They may not apply to everybody. These are very general. And if you would like a psychic reading or an energy forecast that is specific to you, you can visit my website at guidingechoes.com and order a private session with me. I would be happy to help you answer any questions you may have about your own life, your future, and um, help set you on the right path because we can all use a little help with that from time to time, right? So before this uh, broadcast started, I was meditating and tuning into the energies. And what I saw in my mind's eye was a present. And I was like, oh, that's kind of cool. It looks like a nice little gift. And as I approached it, it was actually a jack-in-the-box, which I got to admit kind of scared me. Not a fan of clowns. (laughs) So when this present opened up and the -the jack-in-the-box came out, I'm like, oh, that's unexpected. So as I was connecting with my guides in the universe, they were saying that there is going to be some unexpected things that come your way this week. You are going to be tested. And what's happening this week is all of us are being tested when it comes to our core values and what it is that we say we want. I don't know about you, but every once in a while, I'll meet somebody who states that they really want to be a a really good psychic or they want to be in tune with the universe or they want to manifest a million dollars. But then you take a look at their attitudes and their actions, and you'll notice that they're not doing the things that are in alignment with that 
goal. And there is something to be said for those of us who are maybe going through a difficult time. And so we're kind of fighting those negative thoughts and negative behaviors. And we're really trying to get a better hold on the more positive thoughts and positive behaviors. And that's a little game that kind of that can go on for a while, especially if we're coming out of something traumatic or if we're still in something traumatic because our mind loves to argue with itself. <laughs> so you have those two different parts of yourself um, and, that are trying to really, I want to say, get your attention. You know, you have that voice of fear that's saying, hmm, should we really do be doing that? That doesn't seem safe. And then we have the other part of us, which is faith. And like, let's jump in. Let's see what happens. And what's interesting is though faith and fear are two sides of the same coin. They're both there to protect us. They both want what is best for us. And, um, I know a lot of people will say fear comes from the ego and faith comes from spirit, but I don't necessarily think that's true. I sometimes, I believe that your intuition and your spirit can use fear to get your attention and to open your eyes to um, maybe a red flag or a situation that you're choosing to ignore. So just be very mindful of what your thought patterns are this week and pay attention to what your core values are. Because um, again, as I was tuning in, I kept hearing like, you're going to be tested in new ways. And, and all of us, we're all going to be tested in new ways. And the test is going to be different for each of us because we all have different things that we manifest. We all have different things that are important to us. We all have um, different things that we're striving for. And so uh, the challenges that we each face are going to be different. And so just really tune in to your own spirit, tune in to your own authenticity and integrity as you go about your day every day. And when people approach you and they ask you to do something that's not in alignment with your integrity, that's not in alignment with who you say you are, pay attention to that. And do what is right for you. Always ask yourself if what you're being, what's being asked of you is your best representation of who you are and who you want to be. The reality is that once we allow someone to dictate our actions and dictate our thoughts and our feelings and, and someone asks us to lie about something that we're uncomfortable lying about, we've given them permission to do that to us more often. And the moment that we put our own authenticity and core values aside, we have also negated our trust in ourselves because we've done something that we don't like. We've done some, we've done something that we don't trust, <laughs> right? We don't like that we did this thing. And so we have to be quick to forgive and quick to set up those boundaries. So just keep in mind that again, those tests, those challenges are gonna look different for everybody. Um, I think that for many of us, we're going to experience those in small doses. And this is really the universe testing you to see if you really do have those core values that you say you have. And if you really do want to um, move towards that goal that you've said you want to move towards. So I do believe that if you're able to pass the test, I do think that there is going to be something beautiful and amazing in store for you. Um, I don't believe that the universe gives us these pass or test fails, you know, um, wait, pass or fail tests. <laughs> 
is what I was trying to say, uh, just to punish us or to toy with us. And so when we're able to stay in alignment with ourselves and our beliefs and um, live out our core values and speak our truth forward, then magical things can happen. But it's never without challenge, right? There's always going to be some type of struggle or something. But if you can get to the end of that, beautiful things are in store for you. And one thing that I have found that's amazing is when you stand up for yourself, people tend to respect you more. But you'd be amazed at how many people will look up at you as if you're this grand hero all because you had the courage to say no when you were being pressured to say yes or vice versa. So just keep in mind that when you stay in alignment with your core values, when you stay in alignment with your truth, you actually become a hero in the in the eyes and lives of others. And that's how inspiration is born, right? And the truth is when you say, um, when you stay in alignment to your own authentic self and your core values, you kind of become your own hero or shero, right? You can trust yourself more. You you might still look back at that situation and be like, eh, did I do the right thing? But as time goes by, you'll be like, heck yeah, I did. <laughs> So, um, so that's what the energies have in store. So we've got AJ and she says, I think everything is a test in up leveling. Yeah, I think you're right. We've got mad cats fear saying, yeah, it's true. Melina's also saying it's true. And then we've got, um, Yeda, which I probably said your name wrong. So I'm just going to apologize for that. And she said, had a lesson circle back around already. Yeah. So, you know, some of you are already seeing this in motion. So remember, this was just a general reading for the collective. And if you would like a personal reading or energy forecast with me, you can visit my website at guidingechoes.com to get that set up. But now, ladies and gents, I'm so excited to present to you the amazing Katie Morton. Uh, not only is she a author, a YouTuber with over a million subscribers. I'm very proud to call her my friend. So Katie, welcome. Yes. Thanks for having me, Nicole. It's good to be here. Yeah. I'm excited to have you here. So how, how is the drive? <laughs> it was easy. I walked from my living room into my studio. <laughs> oh, good. I'm glad there wasn't much traffic today. <laughs> no, no, not at all. So tell us a little bit more about yourself. How did you how how did you decide that being a therapist was the right move for you? Um, I mean, it probably started it back in high school days and it, and even in middle school a little bit. I've always loved being the secret keeper for people. And part of it, I think, probably had to do with the fact that I was a teenager and everybody loves drama and you want to know the drama, but I don't want to be affected by the drama. Right. <laughs> and so I think that might have fed into it. But then when I was in high school, they opened up a new course, like Psych 101, essentially. It was Introduction to Psychology, I think. And one of my friends was like, oh, you should take this class. It's like totally up your alley. I think you'll really like it. And I was like, oh, I don't know. I don't really know much about that. I'm like, do I want to be like a psychiatrist? You know, like, what would that mean? But because I'd been in therapy personally, I was like, oh, I'll check it out. And I fell in love with it. And I think the reason, there's many reasons to it. But number one, people are fascinating. And I enjoy learning about individuals because I think a lot of times we want to put people in like these big buckets, like, oh, all women think this way. Or, you know, we like right. to break people down by stupid. Men are things. from Mars, women are from Venus type of yeah. thing. And yeah. I'm like, mm, it's a little more nuanced than that, right? So I find people really fascinating. And I get bored easily in jobs. Like I've had a lot of jobs. If anybody, you know, I started working at 15. 
So I was like a barista and I've been a waitress and I've been um, a sales rep and I've worked in an, an EAP, which is an employee assistance program. It's like insurance for mental health. I've done all sorts of things and they're always so boring and I don't enjoy them. They're not really fulfilling. It like pays my bills, but it doesn't like feed my soul. And so that's kind of like why I got into it and why I've stayed with it. Yeah. And well, what encouraged you to start your YouTube channel? Cause you've, you've been at this for 11 years. So I'm just one year behind you. I've been doing it for 10. <laughs> so 11 years and you started off talking about eating disorders and then it just kind of snowballed from there. So what got you thinking like, Hey, I need to, I, I need to put a camera on me and talk about this stuff. Cause 10 years ago, that was still kind of taboo. So that was actually a really brave thing to do. So what encouraged you to do that? It was actually my, at the time, boyfriend, now husband, it was his encouragement. So uh -huh. like you said, like it was really weird and taboo kind of, especially consider like being a therapist because therapy is not about the therapist. Like, and I still have no goals of like being famous or being an actress. Like that's not, I don't want that. I'm already doing what I want. It's all good. Um, and so back in the day, Sean, my, my husband had said, Hey, like, I was complaining because I worked in an eating disorder treatment center because I am an eating disorder specialist. That's why most of my first videos, like the first like 40 or so are all eating disorder based. Um, but because nothing happens in a vacuum, obviously grew from there. But back in the day, Sean was like, you know, I was complaining how there weren't enough people that understood it, like actual clinicians and parents and stuff like that. And it was hard to refer people out. And I was in Los Angeles, like that doesn't make any sense. And so he had gone to a conference for work because he's um, he has a production company. And so they film a lot of corporate video of events and things like that. And at this event, a woman was speaking about the power of YouTube and the power of educating through that. And she did fitness instruction, but she was like, I've never been able to actually interact one-on-one -on -one with my end user and hear how it's working, how it's not. And so he came home and he was like, you're talking about how people don't understand eating disorders. We'll just film some videos. You should, we'll put them on YouTube. And I was like, isn't that like cat videos and like beauty? And like, I don't do that. Like, I don't, what? And he was like, no, 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 people do it. And I was like, I don't know. And I, it was essentially like a soft no. And so he kept sending me videos from people like Anna Akana and Jenna Marbles, like back in the day, right? And he's like, no, people do this. Like, this is the thing. And um, after much persuasion, after about six months or so, I was like, okay, I'll come up with the topics. And what I want to talk about, but you have to do everything else. And that's how it started. Well, I want to say thank you to Sean, because look at what, <laughs> what happened out of that. That's amazing. Yeah. And then speaking of Sean, we've actually got a Shauna in the Ooh. chat. And she said, Katie just spoke to my soul just now. None of my jobs feed my soul. And I crave that. You know, I think a lot of people can resonate with that. And so, you know, to those who are listening, who feel that same way, what what advice would you give to people who are in that type of situation where it's like they, you know, they, they crave the security, they want the paycheck, but they feel like zombies or robots every day. Like how can they make that transition to, to doing something that they fully enjoy? Thank you, Shauna, for that. For yeah, that no, it, it's true. It's so what do we do? I mean, because I, I do understand the need to have like good health insurance. Cause like my sales rep job, I had like killer health insurance before I quit that. I was like, do all the things. Um, and I think it's okay to keep that job for now and find something that does feed your soul. 
because sometimes we don't really know what that is. Like before I applied to go to graduate school to become a therapist, I also applied to culinary school because I was like, I do love to cook. And it was like, I love to bake specifically. So I was like, I want to be a pastry chef. And then my mom was like, Katie, like, first of all, culinary school is very expensive. My mom was like, do you want to work when your other friends aren't? And do you want to work on the week? Do you want to get up at like 5 a.m.? I'm not a morning person. Spoilers. She was like, this really doesn't seem like a good fit. And she's like, just think about it. Because my mom also knows I'm super stubborn. So she wasn't going to be like, don't do this. Because I'd be like, well, now I'm going to, you know, just out of spite. Because I'm that person. So she didn't really say that. She was like, just consider, you know, I'm thinking. Hmm. And so I didn't know for sure either. But I think it's important to explore. And I encourage everybody to keep the job that's paying your bills. It's giving you that, that sweet, sweet health insurance. And then also you know, explore your interests. There are amazing sites like YouTube, Etsy. There's all sorts of things to support. Like, um, you know more about this, Nicole, but like Teachable and Udemy. And there's all these, you can make courses. You can, you can try your hand at a lot of things with like very low risk, very little in like financial investment. Or yeah. maybe you want to work in your local community, like go volunteer. I found that super rewarding. When I was a sales rep, I volunteered a lot in downtown Los Angeles. And that kind of kept me going in between the like, ooh, the I'm a robot right. feeling. Um, but explore, like say yes to things, try new things, see what feel like is fulfilling for you. Or if you know, put more effort into it. And what I did is until I could quit the job that was like soul sucking or boring, you know, I, I kept the other one going until I could launch, you know, and yes, there was like that, oh, scary jump and like, oh my God, you know, financially it can be a little stressful, but yeah, that's how, that's how I encourage you to make the transition. (laughs) So, you know, there are people listening to this who have incredible psychic gifts, psychic skills. They're highly intuitive. And even if they don't consider themselves psychic, as far as being able to look into the future or whatnot, they do have um, intuitive abilities and interests, whether it's angel cards or, or just being able to kind of, I want to say, feel a person's energy. They're, They're very empathic and you're very empathic too, which is something we've talked about. You're very much an empath. So for people who maybe want to make that transition to making that a career, and we'll talk about the mental health aspects of that a little bit later, because that's what I get a lot of questions about from people who are psychics. They're like, I want a good therapist, but I'm afraid that they'll lock me up and throw away the key. So we are, (laughs) hang in there, people. We are going to get there, I promise. But for now, um, how can people make that shift into opening maybe a psychic or intuitive or angel card business and really push through those feelings of insecurity or push through Mm -hmm. those feelings of, you know, they're afraid that they're going to be judged. Mm -hmm. Or even like the imposter syndrome, like, who am I? What do I know? That's what I struggle with daily. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, I know. Join the club. There's plenty of room. Um, I think part of it is just the way we talk to ourselves. Because I think the thing that we often forget or I don't know if it's even forget or we just minimize is how how unique we are, how wonderful each and every person's perspective is, how important it is to have people with different perspectives. Like even from my uh, from what I do as a therapist, I'm a specific type of person. I'm not going to work for everybody. Not everyone's going to like me or want to open up to me. And that's okay. So there should be other people doing what I do. So First that of all, then... that's not okay because you're very likable. So you're <laughs> <with> you. <laughs> you know, I have like... issues with that. I will stand up and be like, how can you not like Katie? Excuse me? No, <laughs> well, I don't take offense. But there needs to be different people for different, you know, 
and patience. And the same goes for the spiritual world, especially because anything we do, like psychology, spiritual work, like or psychic work, we're digging into things that are under the surface. We're getting vulnerable with people and we're opening up in a way that maybe we haven't before. And I think whenever you second guess and think, well, why me? Or I should, maybe I shouldn't, or this is really scary. I think like, what about the flip side? Like, why not you? Yeah. I mean, what if you, cause like when I started YouTube, no one was doing it. I was definitely very weird. And it was also like, not what people were doing on YouTube. So YouTube was already like weird. And then I was doing something weird on a weird platform. Right. <laughs> so, but you know, I, my goal was to help at least one person. Sean and I were like, if one person benefits from it, then it's worth it. You know? And I still hold that in my, like, it's still what keeps me going. It's like, Hey, if this video that I maybe think is trash, cause I'm super judgmental of myself too. If it helps just one person, it was worth putting it out there into the world, you know? And I think the same applies to that. If you want to open up a shop or you want to start something online, you want to connect with people, you want to offer your services, why not you? And you never know who it might resonate with or who you might be able to assist. And just notice that self-talk. Don't let those thoughts live rent-free in your head when they have no facts to support them. We can. There's always going to be a good reason to not do something. But I always want to ask the flip, like, well, why not? Or why not now? Why not you? Um, and if not you, who? Right? And yeah, I could talk I've about that a long time. You, <laughs> yeah. yeah, well, I've always found you to be incredibly inspiring and authentic. And so many times when I was struggling with my YouTube channel, I would actually go to your channel and be like, okay, well, what type of topics <laughs> is Katie talking about? Like, how can I apply that to what I want to talk about next? And so, you know, for what it's worth, you've been an inspiration to me and you've encouraged me to keep going when I've wanted to hang up the hat. Cause this, for people who don't know, like YouTube's hard. <laughs> like, YouTube's hard. hard and staying on top of all the social media stuff. Like there's a lot that happens behind the scenes as far as like setting up the light, figuring out what you're going to talk about. Um, you know, you can, you can slave away and editing and scripting a video and thinking, oh my God, people are going to love this. This is exactly what they need. And then over the life of that video, it gets like 400 views and you're like, what? So, yeah. <laughs> so can, you never know, you never know. So it can be, it can be pretty, um, discouraging, but it can also, you know, when it's doing well, you can get on this high and it just, it, it feels so good though, to be on a medium where, you know, it's helping people, you know, where agreed. Yeah. yeah, where people can go in and um, you you know that they're finding your channel, you know that they're finding the information you're delivering. And obviously, if you're the one delivering it, you believe in it. <laughs> so there's also that confidence in knowing, okay, they're not getting any type of BS, like they're getting actual, you know, good, authentic information that's helpful and whatnot. Um, and so I think it's I think it's uh, been incredibly brave of you to step onto that platform when it was unpopular and you kept pushing forward and you kept being courageous and you kept showing up and because of you people like me stayed the course so thank you to you and to sean <laughs> of course happy to be there you know because it is hard it is trying and putting yourself out there can be stressful like i think it's, it's also want to normalize for people if you're scared to do something that's normal it's like self-preservation our nervous system is wired to seek out threats and look for them and then run away or to fight back you know and so it's almost yeah. like the opposite of our our like development to be like i'm gonna yeah. do it anyway i'm just gonna yeah. jump you know our nervous system is like no 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 no, no, no. Yeah. um so yeah 
yeah it is, it is scary yeah it absolutely is so <laughs> so now we've got to you know pivot because i did promise people we would talk about this topic so there are incredibly gifted you know psychics or intuitives out there we'll just call spiritual people right we've got people who are spiritual they're not necessarily tied to one religion or another but they feel things sometimes mm -hmm. they may see things they dream things things happen <laughs> and mm -hmm. Sometimes, um, you know, like anyone else, they can go through periods of depression or they may be experiencing long bouts of CPTSD, which if we're honest, like <laughs> long bouts of CPTSD can last a life lot, lifetime. Like, yes. It's, yeah, it's really hard to go through. So for people who do want to get some help with their emotions and, and they recognize that they're having issues with their mental health or their emotions and they're feeling overwhelmed and maybe the spiritual side of them or that intuitive side of them does play a part of that. They can feel really intimidated by the thought of opening up to a therapist or a psychologist about that because they are afraid they're going to get judged. You know, there's, there's parts even in the United States where it's still highly frowned upon, you know, to, to have those psychic abilities or whatnot. So, for people who do want that type of help, what can what can they do? What steps can they take to make sure that they find a good a therapist or psychologist or, or a mental health professional? Yeah, there's there's quite a few things. So first of all, know that you get to select who you talk to. Period. You don't yeah. have to keep seeing someone if they seem judgmental, if they don't really get what you're doing. You know what I mean? And I think something that a lot of therapists offer, not everyone, but a lot of therapists offer either the free first session or what they call like a consultation. Ask if they do that, take them up on it, even if it's a phone call and have some questions ready. First of all, it is perfectly fine to ask to see the resume of your therapist or get their license number, which should be on their website, by the way, or, yeah. you know, where they went to school, what they specialize in. Um, I will throw a little red flag up if someone says, thinks they specialize in like 30 things, not possible. You can say I can treat, you know, depression, anxiety. Those are very common mental illnesses. We're trained in school to treat them. But when you start getting into things like addiction, personality disorders, you know, I don't know, schizophrenia, you get a little, it's, I don't really like that. I feel like you can only specialize in a couple things because we only have so much time. So just notice, um, but have your questions ready you know, what do they specialize in? What do they work on? Here are the things I'm wanting to work on. Can you help me with that? And then ask, be like, I'm, you know, whatever you call yourself. I'm a psychic medium. I am a tarot card reader. I'm a spiritual person. I'm into whatever it is. Is that something that is going to impede our work together? Mm -hmm. And I know people can be scared to like put it out there, but it's better you say it up front because if someone is like, they might be a Christian therapist and you don't realize it because it's not spelled out. And right. you can be like, well, crap, that's not going to work for me. Right. And it's better to know that up front. I mean, I'm not saying that spiritual and Christian, I'm just saying that like right. they might be a little more adverse potentially. Or you could have someone who's just judgmental. And right. it's good to know that. It's good to ask and just get a feel for them. Because throughout therapy, we do know that what makes therapy successful above all is our relationship with our therapist. And so if you're like, I kind of like them, they seem cool enough. I could probably talk to them, you know, even though it's a weird situation, I know talking to a stranger about things you don't talk to anybody about. Right. But if you feel that like vibe, just like when you meet a new friend, you're like, 
I like them. Mm. Yeah. I want to get to know them, right? We don't know everything about them, but we know enough and we're excited. And so you should have that kind of spark for them. Um, but yeah, take that consultation, ask the questions. Also, don't be afraid to ask about money, how much it costs if they work on a sliding scale. I don't want anybody going into a session and then at the end being like, holy crap, that's $150. And that yeah. like breaks your budget. It's important to ask up front. All therapists work on the sliding scale. FYI, it's okay to ask about it. Um, yeah, that's, that's, I guess my best advice. Although I do, I have videos about like how to know you're seeing a good therapist, bad therapist. I talk about it at length in my book. Are you okay? There's information out there. You can find it if you want more detail. Perfect. And, and you mentioned something earlier, you mentioned schizophrenia. And I think that is a huge concern in the, the psychic and paranormal communities because, um, you know, plenty of people, in fact, there was an interesting study done. I should have printed it up so I could have the actual numbers, but there was an actual study done where a, um, a scientific journal had sent out a questionnaire, really a survey to, um, I don't remember how many people, I think it was like 700 or 800 people and was asking this series of questions like, have you ever experienced um, seeing movement out of the corner of your eye and nothing was there. So it was this pinpointed question. And what they found was that, 75% of people who answered this questionnaire had experienced some form of paranormal, uh, what we would consider paranormal activity, mm -hmm. not related to the movies. <laughs> so, that's, so that's a lot of people, like 75% mm -hmm. is, a, is a lot of people. And it can't be that 75% of the people are all schizophrenics, otherwise we're in trouble. <laughs> no, the, the stats are 1% of the population has schizophrenia. 1%. Right. <laughs> right. Very small. So, yes, very small. Thankfully. Thankful, yeah, thankfully, because that, that's got to be a really terrifying way to live actually with schizophrenia. So for mm -hmm. people who are concerned that, you know, they have seen things or they have, you know, corner of their eye or maybe there is, um, you know, weird things that happen in their apartment, they're convinced that they live somewhere that's uh, haunted because that's what the evidence has presented to them. They're afraid that they're going to be <laughs> diagnosed with schizophrenia. How can someone maybe put that fear to rest and still get the help that they need? Yeah, that's a great question. And again, going back to finding the right therapist, if they know that that's that you're like tapped into that and that's kind of part of who you are and part of what you do, they're not going to bat an eye at that kind of conversation. And there is a huge difference. Like I cannot express to people enough how different that is from schizophrenia because schizophrenia is usually terrifying. Not always. Like I'm sure some people are like, no, I had my first psychotic break and it wasn't scary. I personally haven't talked to someone who didn't say that it was scary, at least for them or someone they loved. And it's not like a, oh, I think they're telling me something Yes, we can get messages like they're telling me to kill myself or harm someone. So, you know, people who are psychotic do have that kind of messaging. But that's not like just think already how I'm talking about that. It's very different from like, oh, I saw a vision of, you know, um, my grandmother or this person. I'm not sure how they're related to me telling me that I need to get someone a message. Now, right. people with schizophrenia, by and large, cannot function in their life without treatment. Again, it's not 100%, but the numbers are very high. It's very debilitating because it can get to the point where you're scared of everybody or your voices are so loud you can't participate in work or school. 
you can't focus. Um, you can struggle to take care of yourselves. A lot of my patients won't even feed themselves because they think that they're talking to them through the food or through the TV. It's just a very disruptive mental illness. I would call it a severe mental illness. Having um, a vision, hearing from a person who's passed away or some you know outside spirit or being, that's a very different experience. And it would be seen from the person having it as like helpful information, interesting, and who needs this, right? It's a very different perspective. And any therapist or psychiatrist or psychologist worth their salt is going to be able to look at that and ask you questions about it. And they're not going to put schizophrenia down. That just doesn't, right. to me, it doesn't make any sense why anybody would do that. But I think obviously the clarity of you letting them know this is part of your life early on is key. Right. And then they're going to ask questions. Just know that no one gets a diagnosis like boom without having any kind of conversation. And if you do, you probably shouldn't see that person because they're not doing like their due diligence. Um, and in order to hospitalize someone, if anybody's afraid they're going to be locked up, there are a lot of protections in place for you, the patient, to prevent that from happening. Because essentially by what it's called a 5150 when you put someone on a hold and put them in the hospital, it's a 72 hour hold. I'm taking away your rights. That's a big deal. That is. And we don't take it lightly. And it's not something that's done like my schizophrenic patients. I've, I've had schizophrenic patients. I haven't had to hospitalize them. They're getting treatment. We're okay. Just a diagnosis does not mean you're going to be hospitalized. The only reason, so there are some reasons, and I'll get through a few of the big ones quickly here. I won't sure. belabor it because there's like a lot to talk about. But if you are a threat to yourself or someone else, that's the main reason we're going to hospitalize you because you can't be safe on your own. And we're doing it as a protection either for yourself or for someone else. And there's a lot of stuff. We, a lot of boxes that have to be checked in order for us to do that. Like the threat has to be imminent. You have to have the means where you tell us you're going to do it. Nothing else is helping, et cetera, et cetera. So know that that's not a step that's taken lightly. You are safe. Things in therapy have to be held in confidence and to break confidentiality, to take away your rights and put you in the hospital is a big deal. And it shouldn't be something that, you know, is ever done quickly or with haste. Right. So AJ has an interesting question. She says, is it true that there's seven different types of schizophrenia? No, there's not seven different types, but there are different ways it can present itself. And I know that, um, you know, the DSM isn't the end all be all or the ICD-11. Those are just diagnostic manuals um, for essentially insurance and diagnostic mm. purposes. They're not perfect by any means. But when it comes to schizophrenia, there are different ways that it can represent. And I guess you could call them types if you wanted to, because there can be more like catatonic, where we're like completely frozen. Yeah. Just think of like catatonic. Um, we can have, you know, even like just blunted affect. We can be like, that was really sad. And we're just saying it without emotion. You know, um, everybody's going to experience it differently. And so there are different ways that it can pre present itself, just like there are different hallucinations. We think of hallucinations often as like seeing people that aren't there, but there's auditory, hearing things that aren't there and feel tactile, feeling things on your skin that aren't there it can be very frightening. Um, so there aren't necessarily seven different types, although it can present differently in different people. We would, it's still categorized in the same way, if that makes sense. Yeah. Okay, so Michael Jenks has a really interesting question. He says, is there a trigger in schizophrenia which could have arisen from a real spiritual experience? Uh, possibly. We don't, 
obviously we don't really know, but we do know that schizophrenia is, there's a genetic component, right? So if I have both of my parents, let's say have schizophrenia, then the likelihood that I'm going to get it goes up from, let's say 1% of the population, right? So a 1% chance goes up to like 28%. So it really increases. And I believe if both parents, it's like 46%. So the likelihood goes up depending on if it's in your family or not. So meaning that we do have that gene. The best way I like to describe this is like, we do have the gene, but it has to be turned on. So there's these things called like epigenetics or epigenome that is what ignites or doesn't ignite certain genes. And most of my schizophrenic patients have had a trigger to initiate that first psychotic break. And those are usually, it's usually stress but it could also be loss. Like one patient had his dad die tragically in a car accident. Mm-hmm. That's what triggered it. I bet other patients in finals of their first year at college have it. So those are usually the triggers. Um, and with that in mind, I think, yes, to answer the question, that could be a spiritual experience, right? If something's overwhelming to our system, we feel um, very scared or very overwhelmed by it, that I could see that potentially turning that gene on and we could technically have that first psychotic episode. Right. So we have another question. Do they know they're having a psychotic break? That's a really good question. Yeah. No. Um, unfortunately, not at the beginning. The first time is usually just really scary. Like imagine that all of a sudden you're, because the thing is we're, we're saying, oh, they're seeing people that aren't there or things that aren't there and hearing things that aren't there or feeling to them. They're there. Yeah. Us, those of us without schizophrenia, don't see it. You know, it's hard for us to imagine, right? We're like, what? But to them, it's their reality. Hmm. And I find that a lot of my schizophrenic patients um, aren't aware at the beginning or just super scared or, you know, it's usually scared. They usually isolate themselves. But as they learn about their schizophrenia, then they realize what's reality and what's not. They do a lot of what we call reality testing. Like, Mm -hmm. let's say I was schizophrenic and Nicole and I were hanging out. I'd be like, do you see that person? Right. Especially like if it's like around Halloween, I know this sounds weird, but it can be really difficult for them to just discriminate between what's a potential visual hallucination and what's somebody in a costume, right? Cause that's not normal. You're like, wait, yeah. do you see that skeleton or am I having breakthrough symptoms? Right. And so you have to have people you can check in with. Um, but they do recognize it as they get educated about their illness and better manage it. Um, but at the beginning, unfortunately, they don't. And that can make it really difficult. And a lot of my schizophrenic patients have depression on top of their schizophrenia. It can be part of your schizophrenia. But I also find it's almost like that realization that things aren't real and that you have this illness can be really difficult. You know, it's, it's very stigmatizing and it can be hard for people. Right. Yeah. My, uh, one of my family members was uh, diagnosed with, with schizophrenia and uh, she used to hear voices coming through water or the fan. Mm -hmm. So whenever there was white noise, she thought that she was hearing voices for a long time. She just didn't want to be near running water and she didn't want to be around any fans and we couldn't figure it out. And um, I, I'm not a big fan of fans either because I just don't like the feeling of wind Me in my either. face. <laughs> Me just, neither. Oh man, that is just like, I can't stand it. But, you know, so different reason for hating the fan, but she actually heard voices coming out of it. Interesting. And, yeah. And so, um, so it took her a while before she finally came forward about that. And I don't remember who, um, who, who she had 
said that to, I can't remember if it was her husband or whoever, but yeah, eventually that was what caused the red flags. Um, I mean, there were other red flags, but that was the one that was, you know, high enough mm -hmm. that she finally went, was encouraged to go get help and found out that she had, um, that she had that. And so it, uh, so I've seen how it can be debilitating. And, and I would say that a huge difference between, of course, um, schizophrenia where someone is scared and isolating, like you said, versus those um, visions that other people have where they're seeing a loved one or they're, they're, they, they envision light around them and they're getting the psychic information is that by and large people who are diving into more psychic and spiritual practices feel loving energy around them and they feel yeah. warm energy around them and, and they want what's best for other people. And the, the information that comes through to them isn't random and it's not messages of hurting themselves. It's going to be specific information that's somehow, um, that's somehow helpful to what they're going through or to what someone else's is going through. So, whereas it sounds like, you know, with someone who, maybe has a different form of mental illness because there's other mental illnesses that can look like schizophrenia, but aren't um, the information and, and perceptions that they get. It seems like it's random, hurtful or scary. Yeah. Yes. By and large. Yes. I, I honestly, and I would love to be corrected if someone else has a different experience. I've never heard of a schizophrenic patient having like a loving hallucination. Yeah. They do become like kind of friends with their hallucinations and they can, they can say it's like sad to not have them. Like they miss them because they're like part of their family kind of, cause they've been yeah. with them sometimes for a long time if they don't get treated right away. Mm. So I have heard that, but not again, not the same. It's not that feeling that we're talking about. Right. Um, so Melina saying, I was told that it is something that arises like after your teens. Is that true? And what about children? So when does this naturally, when does this usually arrive? The most common is for men, it's different between men and women, we find, statistically speaking. Men tend to have their first psychotic break around the age of 18. I want to say it's like 18 to 25 is like the biggest bucket. I, I mean, you guys would have to double check because I'm just pulling this out of my memory. Um, <laughs> but women is a little older. It's usually like more of the 20, 25. We can, and there can even be late onset. Like people can have a schizophrenia, you know, their psychotic break. Again, remember, we have the gene, but we haven't had it turned on. We could still have that triggering event well up into your 40s and 50s. Um, that's probably the latest that I've read. I think is like 55. Um, super like uncommon. That's not yeah. a common occurrence, but it can. And we do even, I went to um, a health advocates conference just this last weekend. And there was a gentleman there who had his first psychotic episode around the age of like 12 or 13. And they were very reluctant to give him a diagnosis because he's a child, Right but it does happen in children. There are medications that are approved for treatment in children. Um, but by and large, it's that like 18 to 25, maybe 30 range where most people fall into. Okay. Interesting. So Michael has a, um, question and, um, we're going to shorten it. <laughs> He's mm -hmm. asking what if they're genuinely intuitive? So what if they really are seeing those things? That's an interesting question. Yeah. I mean, I think it'd be again, by seeing like getting proper treatment, seeing real professionals, because a diagnosis in general isn't something that should be go like given lightly, especially when as severe as schizophrenia. And so if 
if because we can compare this to like you know in the the native american community they could say like but they're that's the shaman you know they're the one that's speaking um and we have pushback even within the schizophrenic community around people who are of native american descent who don't want to treat their schizophrenia because they see it as a gift and i don't really think i mean other as long as you're able to function and you can if whether that's by family or whatever there's no, it's not necessarily dangerous. I know people think schizophrenics are dangerous people. No, they tend to only harm others when they're scared themselves because you've approached them too quickly or, you know, you come at them. So anyways, I don't want to get off topic. They could be, they could be intuitive, but again, I think it goes to whether or not it's disruptive for the patient. That's what I always lean back on is, can you function? Is it harmful and upsetting to you? Like one of my patients after his first psychotic break, thought everyone was out to get him and like hid in the woods for like weeks and he was malnourished he was Mm -hmm. terrified and he had to be like kind of brought back to life and I think anybody out there would be like that's not something you want and he is so good with taking his medication because of the fear of that coming back and so I really would lean on the patient and how they feel about it and how if at all is it detrimental to their functioning in their life as a whole. Right. Yeah. And even if that person is intuitive, you mm-hmm. know, it goes back to what you were saying, like, is real? are they able to function? And is this helpful? Because even if they really are intuitive, and they are seeing these things, it's not helpful. So yeah. why not cut that source off? You know, it doesn't, yeah. it doesn't make sense. So to me, it's the same as like, if you live next door to a mass murder, which hopefully no one does, but if you did, <laughs> you know, that's obviously not helpful. You, you're living in fear, you know? So the thing yeah. to do is to take action, whether that means, you know, calling the cops and be like, moving hey, out. you know that you're mass like- murder you're looking for? And then next door to him, I've seen the bodies, <laughs> you know, yeah. you, like- you take, yeah, you take some type of action because that is not a healthy situation for you or anyone else around you. So even if it is, even if, even if what's people who have been um, diagnosed with schizophrenia, even if what they're seeing is somehow real on a spiritual field, they don't need to be subjected to that anyway because it's not helpful. It's, uh, it's, it's it's just not good. (laughs) You know, it's scary and it's hurtful and no one needs to put themselves in that situation. Agreed. 100%. You must've watched that Dahmer Netflix documentary. Oh my God. I cannot watch that. There's no way. He said he lives next door. I'm like, did you just watch that? I did not. <laughs> every every time I see the commercials for that, I get chills up my spine and I'm like, no, thank you. Yeah, no. I tried and couldn't. So yeah, I'm right there with you. <laughs> yeah, I had a hard time even watching Game of Thrones and that's fantasy. So I don't need to watch something that gruesome based on a real thing. <laughs> totally fair. I respect that. <laughs> So what I'm, I'm kind of putting you on the spot here, but what intuitive abilities do you have? Um, funny enough, I have this weird, I mean, I'll just call it weird because it feels weird. I've had it since I was a kid. So my, my grandma and I actually shared in this, which I think was kind of why, what made our relationship so special. I have this weird, like it's, it's through dreams. And so what I'll have is I'll have these weird dreams that don't make any sense. Like I might not know the people in them. I don't know what's happening. I don't understand. Like, I'll give a good example. One that's like vivid in my brain is I remember being like a little kid, let's say like eight years old. And I had this dream that I was at the circular table in a building that didn't look familiar and sitting around laughing and chatting with people I didn't know. 
And then the bell rang and I realized I was at a school and I was like, what in the world is this? Flash forward to middle school, we had built a new school and I, we were one of the first like groups of students to go to school in the school. And I was sitting down at lunch chatting with friends and I was like, oh my God, this is, this is the dream. And so I've had that happen. I had like deja vu, you know, I was like, oh, and my grandma and I talk about it all the time because she had it too. And so I get those probably like twice a year. It just depends. Sometimes I'll have them more, more frequent. And I don't know. Yeah. Part of me has always just felt that it was like guidance. I'm like, oh, I'm on the right path. I haven't had it apply to more than just me. It's always like my life or someone very closely linked to me, like Sean or my mom or something like those are the people involved in it. And it's very realistic. Um, yeah. So I have that. And that's probably it. Other than the fact that I'm, I'm definitely can read people really well. Part of it's exhausting, but also helpful. I think it makes me a good therapist because I can like see through, you know, your bowl. If you're trying to like tell me that you're good and I'm like, you're not, you know, I can like feel <laughs> off of people in that way. Um, but I think that's more of like being an empath or a highly sensitive person. Yeah. Yeah. Cause I, I definitely believe you're empathic. And then I feel like I'm more HSP cause I don't absorb those feelings. I can sense them and they still make me uncomfortable and I still can get pretty intuitive about people. Although sometimes, although recently like people have been sliding under my radar, I'm like, what <laughs> is that about? Like I used to be so good at like sniffing these people out, but I guess like all, um, senses that can kind of come in waves like just with our physical senses because sometimes your sense of smell can be very strong and then you go through a period where it's not it seems like um more intuitive abilities are that way too yeah and for me I think it has to do with like how well I'm taking care of myself because people slide under the radar or like affect me when I'm more burnt out or tired or it's like the end of the day like there's just certain things that it you know if I haven't eaten you know, I'm more vulnerable to it. Right. I'm just yeah. not as tuned in. Yeah. So Ken has a beautiful message that I want to share. He says, this has been so comforting to me. Thank you. I'm absolutely functional and filled with joy for my gifts, but there's always that doubt. So thank you so much. Oh, yeah, of course. I'm so glad that we could offer something comforting. I feel like we need that more now than ever these days. I think so too. So for people who are just, you know, in general, going through a difficult time with their thoughts, you know, their thought pattern, because the two years, the past two years have been so traumatic for everyone. In fact, you even wrote a book about it. <laughs> you wrote a book about trauma. Uh, in fact, tell us a little bit about the book before I move on to the question, if you don't mind. No, not at all. My book traumatized came out la uh, last September. So, wow. I can't believe it's been that long. Um, and I wrote it during the pandemic, which was strange to be like being traumatized by an event and then writing about trauma. And we pivoted to include some pandemic talk, but not much. Um, essentially, the book is like, I don't want to call it trauma for dummies because no one's a dummy, but like trauma 101. We talk about what uh, trauma is, what it means to be traumatized, what is PTSD or post-traumatic stress disorder, what is complex PTSD, which you, re you, know, you referenced earlier, CPTSD. Yeah. Um, we go through transgenerational trauma, how it can be passed down to us. And then I read some interesting research about trauma that can be passed out to our friends and to people around us and how we're still just as vulnerable to it. And talking about that, then treatment options, how we can get better, building up resilience and things like that. And overall, just hoping to, to help guide people and know that there are options that can get better. I yeah. believe we were all traumatized by the last two and a half years, so we can all benefit from a little 
trauma support. And yeah, talking about the importance of connectivity. I get nerdy with it about trauma in the brain, trauma memories. Can you trust them? Where are they stored? What does that mean? All that good stuff. Yeah. No, it's a it's an amazing book. I read it. I like it. I endorse it. Go get it. <laughs> <laughs> so in general, I think a lot of us feel like we're in not just different spaces than we were two years ago, because the world has changed drastically. It's almost unrecognizable. But there is something that's happened with our with our minds. I think all of us ended up being rewired somehow. And so people who maybe weren't so much into conspiracy theories definitely are now. Mm-hmm. Um and I would say for good reason, because there is things going on that don't make sense. So I totally get it. Like, um, but then there's also people who just have a lack of trust and faith in other people now, or they've been because they were so isolated and hugs were kind of made illegal for a while. It's like all, all of this changed them. So what can people do to, I want to say, acknowledge and accept who they are now, but maybe still find ways to build a healthier path forward? Mm. I mean, first of all, connection is key. We're primed for it. Make time yeah. for it. If, if you don't feel safe doing it, test ahead of time and then do it. You know what I mean? Like find a way to make it happen. I think that's just like in the now, that's what you can do. Also, if you find yourself like spinning out, which I think we all kind of do, we're like anxious thoughts start to roll and race. Yeah. And then we're like, oh my God, oh my God, oh my God. You know, do a full body shake. It essentially let's out. So when we feel threatened, when we feel overwhelmed, we go into our stress response, like fight, flight, freeze, fawn, right? We go into that. That's not a good place to be in. It's supposed to be very short lived. I feel like a lot of us have been in it for a prolonged period of time. So that's what, hence why burnout, people are irritable. We feel like, you know, people are out to get us. It can be us versus them. And there's a lot of that. I think that's kind of what's fed into what we're experiencing. But anyways, the full body shake releases that queued up energy for that fight flight. Like, what am I going to do in this situation? How do I protect myself? You can even just stomp your feet. Dance also works, but I find shaking, even just like pretend there's lots of water on your hands and you're like, Oh, I got to get this off. That can just help soothe you in the moment when you start to feel overwhelmed. But when it comes to going forward, like how do we build a better future? How do we start to feel better? How do we get back to who we are? I'm even exploring that myself. Like I've definitely been hardened by being online and the pandemic and just, you know, all the stuff. The and the trolls and everything. There's yeah. no shortage, unfortunately. Yes. How do I get back to like soft Katie that I used to love, right? Like how, where is she? She's been missing for quite a while. Um, and it's okay. I encourage people to explore that. What is it that I like about myself now or things that I want to change? We're all works in progress. We're never supposed to be like, I'm perfect the way I am. If you feel that way, go with it, run with it. I'm amazed. But I think we all kind of have things that we want to improve. And the things that I would really encourage people to do is number one, pay attention to how you talk to yourself. Are you just trash talking all day long? You're going to feel that. Yeah. Everywhere. It shows up everywhere in your body, in your relationships, in your work ethic, in your success. You're going to feel it. Pay attention and don't think you have to be toxically positive. Don't be like, this is amazing. I'm amazing. I don't believe any, that doesn't actually work. The fake it till you make it spoilers. New research has come out. It doesn't really work. Right. That's why it doesn't feel good. Um, Cause our brain's like, mm, I've got different thoughts. No, it just trashes it. So yeah. we can use bridge statements, things that are just not quite as bad. So if my thought is like, 
Katie, you're, you're such a loser. The bridge statement would be like, I'm open to the belief that I could change the way I think about this. I still think I'm a loser, but maybe I could improve that. I know you're like, that's not much better. Trust me when I tell you, you will feel the difference and do this for your top like five or 10 recurring thoughts. Right. Okay. That's number one. Second, and the final one that I'll talk about, because I like them to be like short and things you can do is be kind to people when you don't have to be. You see somebody struggling to open a door with their grocery cart, open it for them. Yeah. You see somebody in the morning, good morning. You know, their small gestures cost us nothing. Someone who's having a hard time, like for instance, Sean and I were waiting because I just flew home from Pennsylvania. I was hungry. We were waiting to get a burger at Whataburger, which is just a big Texas chain of fast food restaurants. And I was like, I really want a cheeseburger. Sean's like, okay. It took a really long time, even though the line wasn't very long. And when we got up there, the guy was like, I'm so sorry you've been waiting. I think he got chewed out by the person in front of us. And we were just super kind. We're like, you're doing the best you can. Don't worry, buddy. It's not a big deal. Da, da, da. You can always offer kindness. Um, it doesn't take anything from you. And it gives so much to the other person. And I think if we all engage in that, like sometimes I'll go on Instagram and just leave some kind comments on people's posts. And I feel like I get just as much out of it. So doing that, I really think is how we can build a better future. Yeah. You know, one time, you don't know this, but I was having a really crappy day and you had actually left a message on, uh, you had left a comment on one of my videos or uh, YouTube posts. <laughs> and so like, I had actually just gotten done with a crying spell. I don't remember why I was upset, but I remember going through my phone like, <laughs> you know, and, yep. and you had left this super encouraging comment. And I was like, oh, and it just like turned my day around that quickly, you know? So it, 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 the power of kindness is, uh, you, you really can't underestimate it, you know? And, um, I mean, you still have to be careful because there's people who are kind to you because they want to manipulate you and use you. So like still totally. be mindful of where the compliments are coming from. But when it comes from that place of, you know, genuine authenticity and care and love and, and support, like that's just the best feeling. Yeah, agreed. And kindness with no strings attached is just beautiful. Right. That's what it should always be, you know? I agree. Yeah. So uh, Christy's on here and she's saying, I have both books. They're oh, very Christy. helpful. Hi, Christy. <laughs> she's our Floridian correspondent. She's out of Florida. Oh, she's okay. okay. She's okay. Good. So don't Good. worry. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I have both your books too because it's Are You Okay and Traumatized. So before we go, tell people where they can find you. Yeah, you can find me on YouTube, just Katie Morton, or it's youtube.com forward slash Katie Morton. All of my socials are Katie Morton. So it's just, just like K-A-T-I-M-O-R-T-O-N. I always tell people Morton like the salt. You can always find me. And I have workshops on my website if you're looking to dig deeper. I recently did an inner child workshop. I have a relationship workshop. They're all available over there. I try to keep the prices low. I understand that not everybody can afford things like that. But um, if those aren't things you can afford, I have a huge amount of videos that you can binge at any time and hopefully they're helpful yeah absolutely and then also gosh you have so much to offer because you have your two books and you know books are cheap those are affordable you guys can you guys can afford the book i promise and then, <laughs> and then you also have the ask katie podcast you have mm -hmm. opinions that don't matter which is so fun with you and sean where you guys just like talk about the most random things for 100%. a couple hours yep <laughs> 
So you have a lot to offer. So everyone, be sure you check out Katie Morton. Again, she's on YouTube. She's got her podcast that you can get on um, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, everywhere. And um, of course, you can follow her on Facebook. So Katie, this was a pleasure. Yeah, thanks for having me. Yeah, we have to do this again for sure. Definitely. For sure. And then also, uh, Michael is saying this is or this has been the best, or blah, blah, blah. this has been the most incredible and much needed podcast to date. Thank you both for this invaluable chat. So thank of course, you, Michael. Michael, I'm glad it was. Yeah, I'm glad you enjoyed it. Yeah. So all right, Katie, well, thank you again for joining me. And I hope you have a lovely evening. Yeah, you we'll too. Do we'll do this again soon. <laughs> Perfect. Thanks, Nicole. All right, everyone, you've been listening to Guiding Echoes on the UPRN Network. Stay tuned. We've got more goodness ahead of you tonight. And uh, yeah, you're listening to 105.3 FM New Orleans. And be sure that you join me next week on the Guiding Echoes show, whether you're joining me through the YouTube channel, Facebook page, we are going to have an astrologer with us next week. Her name is Kathy Beal, and that will definitely be a good time. Thanks for hanging out with me. Thank you for your time, and I'll see you next week.